Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer one cut at a time. My name's Tim Clare and this is a show about writing for writers, for readers and for anyone with a morbid fascination with how the story sausage is made. On this show we have three central spokes to our writing wheel. Spoke the first to help you write more, spoke the second to help you write better and spoke the third to help you be a little bit happier as you do those things. Today is the second part of my uh, multi-part chat and uh, editing workshop session with um, the writer, the author, Nate Crowley. Uh, this time, reflecting on the season, we've decided to do a Christmas-themed <laughs> session. So um, this is another uh, another part of the recording where we look at a listener's first page a first page that they've sent in of their story and we give some suggestions on ways that they might make it better uh, this was good fun to do i enjoy doing uh, editing sessions with other authors uh, i think it often the dynamic is always very different with the different people i've had on the show and it's different again when it's just me on my own uh, and i think when we're in a room when i'm in a, when, I, when i definitely when i'm uh chatting with uh nick crowley on every single episode uh we just end up um sort of uh, egging each other on into greater and greater flights of absolutely bananas fantasy as we sort of get excited about various outre and rococo uh, plots and scenarios and uh, backdrops and uh, that's what happened here uh, I, I should say you know just to, to reiter re reiterate i think it's a kind of truism of writing feedback that it's you normally useful to listen to the um issues that somebody raises the problems that someone raises uh, when they're feeding back on your work but maybe be a little more circumspect about the uh, solutions that they propose to those problems uh, because it's your story you're not the editor of your work you're the author you're the creator and what you say goes ultimately and perhaps they have accurately uh, spotted some weakness that could be uh, shored up but the way they do deal with that is not necessarily the way you deal with that and there uh, are many many ways to uh, feel a uh, uh, fillet a feline as mf doom once said and uh, you know you, you needn't assume that the solution they propose is the only one it may not even be the best one as if there can ever be a canonic canonical best way to write a piece of writing um of course except when it's me making the suggestion in which case my no, I don't mean that at all. In fact, I often feel a little bit self-conscious when I've sort of uh, proposed, sort of pointed out a, f a, f a structural flaw uh, in in someone's sentence, and then I have to try and recast it for them. I'm I'm often very conscious that the alternative I come up with is not exactly deathless prose either. Nonetheless, I really enjoyed recording this episode. But you you'll hear because I'm guffawing like a buffoon. But we um we really enjoyed. Well, yeah, it's just it's just love. It's I mean, I love having any author on who I you know I can go through 
work with um and hear their feedback i just miss workshops so so much i think that's been sort of one of the one of the the greatest losses since you know since i was back in uni and all the times that i you know used to sit around with my friends and even afterwards when i was around my friends enough that we would sit down and we would write together and we would do workshops and we do lessons uh, i i just I miss, I miss that incredibly just being around other writers and working with other writers it's um it, it, it's really criminal that there's a, a point at which sort of authors are supposedly we're now you know we, we start selling classes you know where we're the tutor or god i hate the word master classes come and come and have a writing master class why do, why do you have to upsell it from a class just say it's a writing class right like why do you why why are you using this kind of bombastic language but it, it sets us apart it kind of plays into this myth of the author the creator the published author the person who's made it who's kind of ascended to Elysium where they can now retire and, and sit around in golden meadows watching satires uh, frolic and prance while occasionally they uh, turn away from the bunch of grapes that they're chewing on to uh, scribble a, a few divinely inspired lines onto a, a papyrus scroll and it doesn't really work like that and actually i really enjoy the work the craft the just the water cooler aspect of it is what i started this podcast really not consciously but underneath i i, I wanted that i wanted the society of my peers you know i wanted to hang out with other writers i wanted to talk writing i wanted that water cooler i, I wanted to you know have have a village and I, I I think Nate Crowley, when I do these episodes with him, he certainly definitely feels like the police chief of that village. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. He 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 has he has some permanent fixture in that in in the in the weird writing village that I'm trying to build around me. Some. He, he's definitely he's a i'm not sure who the mayor would be but um he 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 definitely has some uh powerful and visible civic role and uh it was a pleasure recording this episode with him if you enjoy hearing him talk then i suggest you buy one of his books you might like to start with um well, I'll put links in the show notes so you can just kind of click through. But um, notes from small planets is a, is, a, is a good one, a little sort of travel guide um, of sort of, I, I guess it's kind of science fiction parody, although I think maybe more satire. Parody makes it sound a bit kind of on the nose, but like it's like a travel guide. It's like a lonely planet stroke rough guide to a bunch of imagined worlds and i just god i love i love reading lore 
so much. I love re- I love reading ideas and I love reading stuff outside the constraints of a kind of the novel form, you know, fa- found texts, things like that. And it's just, it's just a kind of arena where, you know, I think someone with his level of imagination and <laughs> willingness to go all out uh, thrives. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes today. And if you enjoy the show and you'd like to support it and help me keep the lights on so I can continue to make episodes, then just uh, drop me a few beans to my coffee page. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Tim Clare. And you can always go on my website and drop me um, a line if you want to get in touch or send me, you know, your first page for me to look at in a future episode right that's it thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoy this latest episode okay so um this uh piece is called north stone and it's by ben unsure if she should answer the teacher's question for the third time that day promi bit her tongue silence deafened the classroom of teenage elves The teacher scanned each row for a raised hand, but saw only blank faces and one pained expression. She nodded approvingly. Promi responded. Water has polarity, therefore it creates creates intermolecular bonds in a lattice crystalline structure upon freezing, causing ice to be less dense than water. Promi knew she went over the top with this answer. She could have just said that water is more dense than ice, but she couldn't help herself. Muffled gasps and silent laughter signalled a curious mix of disdain and admiration from her fellow classmates. The teacher joked with an air of annoyance, Promi, I have a doctor's appointment next week, would you mind teaching the class? Everyone then burst out in laughter. Promi wasn't sure if they laughed because she may make the class much harder than it needs to be, or because she was awkward and they thought she was silly. Promi and the teacher were relieved to hear the bell ringing loudly at that moment. Saved by the bell and further jokes, Promi started packing her bag. The teacher reminded them, Now remember that you will be tested Monday on proper gift wrapping techniques, so be sure to practice. Santa says, a ready elf is a good elf. So some initial thoughts. So the premise here, um, like, elf school for Santa is great. Like, you know, obviously, uh, many, many bits of kids' literature have tackled the inner life of the North Pole. Um, but I always think, or I can think of many good examples of uh, deep dives into, um, what do you call it, extrapolating, you know, the reality of, of ludicrous myths. And they're, they're usually... Uh, either very entertaining, very interesting, or both. So it's good territory. Um, it's not a bad place to start. There is a lot I would change about this. Right. Okay. So, um, so uh, we could, we could, uh, unsure if she should answer the teacher's question for the third time that day, Promi bit her tongue. How do you feel about that as an opening bid? Uh, no, that, it, yeah, it's... I mean, you know, and again, like I, I think I'm going to be a, a pretty robust on this one. Yeah, like, 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 like we, like we 
sort of always say on the show, like uh, we are only critiquing this uh, these like two paragraphs we're looking at here. We've got 250 words from when someone sends in a piece. Uh, we are not in any way, uh, you know, uh, Ben, you are a, a wonderful, unique human being worthy of, of love and you're super valuable. We're not even talking about you as a writer. We're just talking about this one piece of writing that happens to be one that you produced at one point in time. So none of this is about you as a person. We're simply looking at ways that we can um, hold this work to the standards we think you're capable of and look at ways of getting it closer to that standard. Yeah, exactly. Because the like I said, it's a cracking idea. It's a great setting. You need to do it justice. And I'm afraid there's just a lot of mechanical work. So uh, I'm sure if she should answer the teacher's question for the third time that day, just uh, and uh, you know, as as with the last last one of these that we did, it's a syntactical thing. Uh, I'm my you know brain is not sure to what the third time applies. Clearly, it's the third occasion that she's had to bite her tongue. But that just doesn't roll clearly through the mind mangle. Do 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 we know that the uh, that that clause there, unsure if she should answer the teacher's question for the third time that day, is a fronted adverbial. For those people who've been wondering, people there was a whole thing on Twitter where people were getting furious about a question where kids were asked to identify the fronted adverbial in a sentence. I'm sure she should answer that because it modifies how Promi bit her tongue. So she, the, the main clause is Promi bit her tongue. The main verb, the active verb is bit. Uh, Promi is the subject. Her tongue is the object. Promi bit her tongue. How did she bit her tongue? She bit her tongue, unsure if she should answer the teacher's question for the third time that day. But the adverb is put before we know what the verb is. So that's why it's a fronted adverbial. And that is why it's a bit shit and confusing. Because we have to wait 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 words before we know what it's modifying. We don't know who Promi is. We don't know what the verb is. We just know, unsure she should answer the teacher's question for the third time that day. Who, what, where, when? It's, it's like it is making us wait. And this is purely a structural thing. It, it's, just like, it's just like a weird tease for no payoff. Like it, it, it's not like, so, so the classic example of a delayed adverb is Marley was dead, comma, to begin with. And then you were like, ah, oh, like that's changed. That adverb late has undercut the previous sentence. And you would never be able to get away with a line like that now because it would be like, it would seem too on the nose. But when Dickens did it, everyone was like, oh shit, what? And he wasn't, I mean, it's, they're cool, right? I like, I really like it. I know, but it was like, but it always makes me feel a bit like the, the, that, that movie called Dead Again. And you're like, Dead ag Again? What? And it just seems a bit like some, it, I, I just, whenever I write that, I always feel like I've, I, I just feel like I'm in a, in a jester's hat and harlequins festooned with bells going to the reader. I am the topsy-turvy lord of misrule. Woo-hoo-hoo. -hoo! 
Um, which is not what's going on here. But I just, I always, well, I always feel it like those kind of things have to be used sparingly. If you do them all the time to the reader, the reader starts to feel like you're continually bickering with them, and they're like, "Come on, just tell me some things bluntly." But yeah, as an opening bit, it could be great. But in this case, I don't think that that ambiguity and teasingness actually serves any of the um, the, 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 the narrations um, what it wants. I tell you, I'm going to jump to the thing that bothers me. And, you know, there, there are a few little things like that. And Tim is really good at this. I am not so good uh, at, you know, knowing words like front of the verbial and, and that, which I'm legit impressed by because I've never heard of that. But I am a bit of a barbarian. Um, I The thing that bothers me is the characterization here because I know exactly what you're doing here. Uh, what the intention is, and it is fine uh, in showing that Primey is, you know, uh, well, I'll be honest, uh, Hermione Granger, um, you know, she is, she's a SWAT, and she's, you know, not getting along that well with her class and feels a bit of an outsider, you know, an outsider elf at the North Pole, fine, good, interesting. The problem is, the way this is introduced, just makes her seem unlikable uh and not because you know i i'm you know some sort of former school bully with unresolved issues uh just you know that that sentence water has polarity therefore it creates intermolecular bonds and a lattice crystalline structure upon freezing causing ice to be less dense than water that is something that would only ever be said by a character in fiction being with a massive flag being hoisted above their head saying nerd. Like, I just, I can't imagine someone actually saying that. And then when it says, she could have just said the water is more dense than ice. That's good. That's an admission that this character is self-aware. And then, but she just couldn't help herself. Why couldn't she help herself? What is, you know, you need to be more explicit about what the drive is that is making her say this and you need to i i don't know i'm i'm halting a little bit here because i re i don't think this is like terrible writing i just think it's a it's the wrong way to go about what you're trying to do which is valid i think that it is com i i think that it might be i'm gonna go further and say that i think it might be an example of writing that if it's not terrible it's certainly adjacent to terrible it's in the zip code of terrible and i'll tell you for why i think that uh ben has written this um with a really clear idea of who the character is but has re reached essentially for the first familiar trope and has gone for that and hasn't tried to push beyond that first one because what happens here is what i want to know is what was the question what teacher is running a class where they go, why, why does ice, what, what's the teacher gone? They've said to a class, can anyone tell me why does ice float? As their last, what lesson are they teaching where the last question that they ask in the entire class, because the bell is about to go, right? So what class were they teaching where, where the whole class are watching them at the front of the class and they say, can anyone tell me why ice floats? One person says it and then the bell rings. That's not how you structure a lesson. Like that's not, no, you'd never ask such a fundamental question. 
right at the end of a class, the only reason that that happens is because you've seen it on TV and we have to have the bell ring so everyone gets up so there's a chance to see the character moving between classes and kids responding to them. And we see that they're in a school and we get a long shot of them walking through the school. That doesn't happen in... I know, and I know it's going to sound bizarre to say this wouldn't happen in real life and we're talking about teenage elves. But like for me, that opening question is a missed opportunity. Right, so in Wally, for example, let's take an example from like Pixar. We see him when he's tidying up the planet early on. Like there's just like a, a, a quick montage of him finding bits of stuff and tidying it away. And he finds a fire extinguisher and he... Psst, psst, we see him effing about with a fire extinguisher it's funny we see him being goofy and we like him a bit but it also means later on when he uses a fire extinguisher to propel himself through zero gravity it's been that gun has been put on that mantelpiece this question here it cannot be a neutral question the question has to be something that is fundamental to the theme it has to encompass something. This has to serve double duty, this opening question. If there is a scene, if we have something happening in the classroom, it has to be a conflict that is interesting to that character, but also to the themes of the book. Santa better die later unless someone's around uh, with specific knowledge of water's molecular properties. Life. Who the fuck is going to be living in the North Pole who doesn't, hasn't, doesn't, doesn't know about ice and water? Like that's what's all. It's like it's, it'd be different if it was like they were saying something about, say, the real world, and they had some like knowledge of, of like how humans live in cities, and all these elves don't know about it. But that like this is a this is, is presumably a society who live entirely on icebergs or ice flows whose entire culture must be around based around kind of like being able to survive in the frozen wastes and this character's just like let me fucking tell you guys about ice it's like we we know like we live here all that like this is our fuck off like i don't i don't believe that this would be news to anyone like, like, ice is their entire lives. Yeah, but like, they might not all know, like, I, I find it, admittedly, in retrospect, from having read it and knowing that they're Santa's elves, it's surprising that one of them would know about, you know, the, the intermolecular bonds of, of, of an ice crystal. Like, the, you know, these are creatures derived from Scandinavian Germanic folklore. I wouldn't expect them to know much molecular chemistry. That's interesting. I like it when, you know, the the worlds of, of, of you know, uh, magic and folklore intersect with the, the world of the enlightenment and reason. That can create really interesting tensions. I mean, I mean it could, like, it could be, like, but if we knew why, like, I don't feel like the characters just going, like, nerd is, like, it's not compelling to me. If people are, like, like, if Promi says that and it's like a taboo, if there's a thing where it's just like, we're like creatures of magic, like science and disbelief is like the biggest threat to us, even if they only believe that, even if it's just taboo, and someone learning about these things is like fucking threatening to them because it's the equivalent of someone like 
dabbling in witchcraft, like molecular... In like a fundamentalist evangelical school in the US and someone saying, and on what day did God create the dinosaurs? Uh, God did not create the dinosaurs. Uh, they evolved independently from, uh, um, you know, the archosaurs in the Triassic yeah. years ago. And everyone would shit the bed. Yeah, that is like really, that would be really exciting to me. I guess like the other thing that's happening here is there's a lot of showing and telling where it's like, First, we do a... So here's some things that just take me out of this scene. Um, we start off in Promy's uh, interiority. Unsure if she should answer the teacher's question for the third time that day, Promy bit her tongue. So we've got access to something she's thinking. Silence deafened the classroom of teenage elves. Silence doesn't deafen. I, gu I guess it's like a deafening silence, but I don't like silence being the agent noun in that sentence. Um... I, I do like that it ends with teenage elves. I like that you're being blunt there. That's kind of cool that we're in that world now. The teacher, the teacher scanned each row for a raised hand, but saw only blank face, blank faces and one pained expression. So now we look got the teacher's POV. So we've jumped heads. That immediately now I'm not sure whose perspective I'm in. Um, she nodded approvingly. Well, she's not. She must know what Prime is about to come out with. So she's not actually approving. Um, also, she nodded approvingly. Do we need that adverb? Approvingly? How else do you nod? She nodded scathingly. Like, maybe she could nod. You can add an adverb if she's nodding re reluctantly. Like, oh, fuck, here goes Promi again. But, like, if she... She nodded approvingly. That's what a nod is. That's... that's You don't... She nodded yesingly. Promi responded, quote, water has blah, 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 blah. Promi knew she went over the top with this answer. Yeah, okay, so you've said that that interiority is useful. Fine. Muffled gasps and silent laughter. Right, that could be a full stop. Signalled a curious mis mix of disdain and admiration from her fellow classmates. I know! I, I'm a human being too. I understand what muffled gasps and silent laughter connote. I have been a human in the world. The, the stop at muffled gasps and silent laughter. I'm not an alien. Like, you don't... And, and again, that's just a, a lack of confidence. You don't need to go on and go... Muffled gasps and silent laughter, me, <laughs> which signal, <laughs> respectively, surprise and hilarity. Yeah, we know what a gasp and a laugh is. You don't have to say it. And the teacher joked. Yeah, well, but it's not. But I'd say it's not even work to go. If someone gasped, he gasped, signalling surprise. <laughs> like you don't never need to say that second part. The teacher joked with an air of annoyance. Promi, I have a doctor's appointment next week. Would you mind teaching the class? You don't need to say that, that was a joke with an air of annoyance. Just give us the line. Everyone then burst out in laughter. Right, fine. I don't know. Like, I feel like there's just... Some of it's just, like, a little bit over-explained. And I think that's a confidence thing. And if you were going to keep it exactly as it were, you'd strip a bunch of that back and we would understand. But... What, like, how would you like this to... And I realise, like, when we're identifying problems, that's fine. When we're suggesting how we would approach it with solutions, we're just showing our thinking. We're not suggesting that you do it exactly how we say. But what, how would you like to see this sort of amped up? Like, how would you see this change to, to make this more of an engaging opening bid? So I really like... Um, so to go back to the idea that, like... To live in a society of magical creatures uh, and and talk about, you know, a completely non-supernatural explanation for things is a taboo. I love I love that idea. 
Uh, and, you know, the best place to start anything or any scene like this is the fulcrum of a decision, which you know because you've done that. You've done that at the moment she's about to speak. The problem is there are no stakes here. So I would make more of the... Because this is the third time this day that she's done this, right? So it's just like... This, we're seeing something that is happens all the time she makes these kind of things and this is not the straw that breaks the camel's back she's not like cross the rubicon it's just like pro me being pro me and actually you're yeah we, it would be better if this was like a moment where she go where pro me goes a bit too far yeah so you could like you could say she's thought thought of answering several times that day in this way but this is the time that she does it. And you've got that thing of not being able to help herself because she is, you know, you don't even have to change her character. Like, she can be very clever and very, well, arrogant in expressing that cleverness. And that pride has gotten away with her this time because she has gone and blurted out this stuff that only, you know, when she says it, does she realise how profane it is. And, you know, again, the less said about the reaction or the more economical you are in describing the reaction, the deeper the shit it transpires she is in. You know, if it's just a sentence, a paragraph all by itself, you know, that there was only silence in response. That says so much more. If they, Yeah, gosh, if there was just silence and then the bell rings and then the teacher without acknowledging the answer says... Now, remember, you'll be tested Monday on proper gift wrapping techniques, so be sure to practice. Like, imagine this as a piece of, like, I don't want to, like, overdo it, but, like, imagine, like, you, I love your um, analogy of, like, the sort of fundamentalist school. Imagine that they're just being taught, like, gift wrapping and Santa saying a ready elf is a good elf. And this is like a dystopia where these kids are like molded into good elves believing in magic and stuff and this character has been educating herself in a school that doesn't want them to be educated yeah this is like you know that's like that is freaking awesome right i'm like oh shit i'm thinking like north korea with the aesthetics of a netflix christmas movie <laughs> Give, let, take my money. That's amazing. And this is, you know, this is a character who is, and again, it's not changed their character, but they've gone from just being, you know, a sort of an Asda value Hermione Granger who just pisses everyone else off by using like weird techno babble to being someone who is arrogant, prideful, but also deeply committed to self-improvement and well incredibly brave uh and your and or too hubristic to realize when they're making a terrible mistake and you know it's one of those transgressions so severe that it just sort of breaks people's brains a bit and they're too shocked to even respond you know i i i i can tell that this is a kind of like a very rich and fertile idea and i hope ben that you you take this as the kind of like compliment it is that i can't help thinking of stuff for it and how i where i would take it i think that's a sign of a great idea if other writers can't help but kind of scribble their own nonsense all over it 
I'm just imagining like Santa as this like unseen presence throughout the North Pole. Like there's posters of Santa everywhere. You know, because Santa's already got like this, you know, like elements of being this su surveillance kind of like state. Anyway, these elves are being trained. But we never see Santa. I'm imagining that Santa is in fact, I'm imagining, right, that Santa has been dead for years and it has been covered up. And the and the presents that they make, it's like Logan's run, right? They are piled onto a sleigh and then they're just like basically secretly by the patriarchs and like the elders of the elves. They basically just get like pushed off a cliff. There's like somewhere at the edge of the North Pole, like heaped with like troves of rotting presents. Santa has been dead for ages, but they think that elf society will, will fall apart if anyone finds out that Christmas has not been happening for the world for years. And so it's maintained. <laughs> like, that This is set in the 1950s where, you know, the Soviet Union under Stalin has like annexed the North Pole, killed Santa and has been brainwashing the elves into making munitions, uh, which <laughs> are then being sent to the Korean War. You know, this is like a Soviet atom grad. Full of, but run by elves. Yeah, and the elves are still, you know, living in their, their culture, but it's just been, Santa has been taken away and replaced with, like, a very, very, very subtle commissarial network. <laughs> this, who are putting up these posters everywhere, and just suddenly they're no longer making rocking horses, but AKs. And, yeah, obviously, again... You don't have to go with this. You probably shouldn't go with this. The point is, this is such a rich seed. Like, it could go a lot of places, and you, you just need to plant it right. It, it's 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 not right now. Yeah, and I I and I, I, I would just hold back on the bits where um you go like Promi and the teacher were relieved to hear that hear the bell ringing loudly at that moment. You don't need to say that if you want to give us anything. You can have the bell rang. Uh, Promi's shoulders slumped and she breathed out. Like, you can, by all means, have them be relieved, but suggest it through their dialogue or their physical reactions. Don't step in. Um, and don't use a phrase like saved by the belt. We, we, we know that. Um, you know, Promi started packing her bag. Just have her start packing her bag as quick as she could. We know she's desperate to get out of there. You don't need to say she was saved by the belt or she's relieved. Um... Yeah, I, I think like I think the takeaway for, for this is like we both feel like this is a super rich idea and we're both kind of into it, but we just want it to be sort of tweaked that like half crank to make it just its own thing. Yeah, and it is uh, uh, it is confidence, isn't it? Um, yeah, you said this a few times, Tim. Uh, there are if I was to put a red highlighter through all of the unnecessary qualifiers in this, I would half the word count genuinely. Like, but but that's that's what. But what's so funny about that is then what you end up getting, what emerges from that. That can seem some people hear that and and it feels like a slight against their writing. They go, oh, like you're saying, I need to cut half of it. But then when you see what I, you know, I do that all the time. My last book, I cut 50,000 words out of but what emerges you go oh I wrote this 
And what emerges is something that feels like confident and lean and like someone who is like like embodying their voice. And then that is yours. You get to, to say, this is my writing now. And what comes out is something that just like punches above its weight. So like whenever you can make those cuts, as long as there's a story underneath, do it because you, what you'll create is something that, oh, oh, it feels so good when you cut something and then what is left, oh. It does. And also it's not always painful cuts. There are so many uh, that are like free wins and you don't even realize until you get in the habit of looking for them. So let's go back to that sentence. Promi and the teacher were relieved to hear the bell ringing loudly at that moment. Like loudly at that moment, all those four words are dead space. Um, yeah, because you wouldn't have Promi and the teacher were relieved to hear the bell ringing quietly five minutes previously. Like we like 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 those are yeah and and and, and yeah it's confidence, isn't it? And it and it's hard. It does that work? You know, when your mind is simulating the scene as you read it, the bell is not ding dong. It's and yeah, that that happens. You know, our brains will do that automatically. You don't need to write it. Uh, you only need to step in with an adverb if it is in some way um, significantly modifying or an undercutting of the kind of default interpretation. For example, if there was something weird going on at the North Pole, there's a good trick you can do where you can describe things that really ain't normal as if they're super normal. And the false familiarity that you've imbued them with can really highlight what's weird. So, for example, Promi and the teacher were relieved to hear the, you know, the, the, the long screeching klaxon of the bell. Yeah, three, three, three blasts of the work klaxon. Yeah, you know, and you're like, oh, that's not usually in schools. I wonder if something strange is happening here. But to Promi, it's normal. And that in itself is strange. So, yeah, that's kind of by the by. That's just a trick I like doing. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's like, um, uh, the, um, and as she, as the words left her lips, um, uh, they were drowned out by three blasts of the work klaxon and the classroom blast doors rattled open and you're kind of like, and, and no, and no, yeah. And, and nobody reacts to that. And she's still reacting to the situation in the classroom. She's not going, oh, these, why have we got huge kind of like riveted bomb-proof doors in here it's like why don't don't question that they're in some kind of nuclear shelter facility just like they're fine they're elves yeah that's normal to them and that creates intrigue how has this become normal frig that sounds that sounds sick sorry ben like but it's cool but this is what and this is why santa is you know santa is a ah oh, it's just I, it's just kind of interesting and i feel like I, I feel like this is a little bit to trope I think the reason I'm kind of we're kind of um skitting all over it is because it's a little bit too tropey to to feel finished at the moment and it just needs that extra bit because and I get the idea right you're, you're, you're colliding two familiar tropes to make a third interesting thing so it's like teen school drama uh, plus Santa's elves so those are two um familiar tropes that you collide to make a third that can normally work, but I just feel like this hasn't quite escaped its tropes yet to feel like its own thing quite yet. Yeah. Uh, and 
it is definitely worth working on. Absolutely. 